It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, June 5th, 2020. We are rolling right along. Big thanks to all our guests over this week. Time is sure flying by, first with quarantine and now riots around the country. Plenty of protests too, but just an unfortunate times we're living in. Pretty crazy, I got to tell you. It's uh, I was really looking forward to getting news of like sports restarting up and everything. Now I, I, it's almost like I care less. I heard you know about the NBA. They might be uh, starting in two months, mind you. I don't know what the delay is there, but uh, I'm at a point where it's like, you know what? I don't even care about all these sports things because, yes, there are bigger things in the world. And unfortunately, it's just an ugly time. I've seen some things on social media and brief glimpses of television when I'm trying that I'm trying to avoid watching because I'm incredibly frustrated with the remarkable uh, twisting of quotes and video clips that our beloved media does. But anyway, you know, the NBA said they're coming out and they're going to be playing 22 teams. And um, you know what? I'm just like, it's, I don't know. I was waiting all this time for sports and now I could care less because the country is falling apart. We can't quite decide what a riot is and what a protest is. I think most of the country can, but unfortunately there's still people who are promoting violent protesting and they are. They very much are. I don't know what else to say at this point. It's just frustrating. And again, there's going to be pushback at me. Well, man, now you know what it feels like. And, you know, sure doesn't help the cause, all this violence. It really doesn't. So I, I pray for everyone who's out there um, in the middle of all this. I can promise you this uh, I will not give you the names today but next week we will be having multiple law enforcement officers on this program so be sure to tune in current and recently retired officers i'm not talking about bill barnes he'll be on wednesday as always but i'm also going to have some other officers because i want their voices heard all right i want them to have a conversation with me regarding uh, just relations to the community. I want to get their perspective. I want them to tell me about, you know, bad cops, good cops, how we can find bad cops sooner and get rid of them, how we can, how the public can help in some of these tragedies. I think we all agree what happened to George Floyd. There's, that was just, there, there's a monster 
who who wanted to do George Floyd harm. I'm not going to sit here and say I know the cause of all that. I don't. Very sad time. And unfortunately, police officers around the country now have a target on their back. Many have died. Many civilians have died. And uh, there doesn't seem to be the concern for those people, which is unfortunate. I want to talk about kind of the way either the media or social media has like trained us all now. Apparently, if you put fancy words in front of headlines or video clips, it draws people in, right? That's just, that's like journalism 101. But I heard about a term, like I was thinking about today, the term controversial. You can throw that term in front of any headline, in front of any any quote. His comments are controversial. It's like, well, according to who? I read just yesterday, controversial comments. I read them and I was like, did I click on the wrong clip? And I know, I know, I know. Matt, you don't understand. They're controversial to other people. Well, I'm like, well, we need to all get on the same page then of what is controversial and what is not. Anyway, just a thought. I, you know, virtue signaling. I hadn't heard that phrase before. Or maybe, I, maybe I'd heard it and didn't think much of it. And then I finally realized, oh, this is – that's people basically – having an opportunity to be like, hey, guys, hey, this is me. This is me. I care about this subject. I am a fan or a supporter or whatever the case may be from afar. I want to go on record as saying, so does that mean like people who don't have Facebook or social media, they are like less, I don't know, you know, I'm thinking out loud here. I'm trying to. And of course, social distancing did we really need an official term? Did we really need that? Like, it seems like we're just coming up with terms now that will be good hashtags. Really think about that. Hey, I'm all for safety. Uh, stay six feet, of, feet apart, whatever you're supposed to do, I guess. But I've seen commercials from quote-unquote celebrities. Hey, guys, social distancing. Hey, fancy terms. And that brings me to another one that I heard yesterday. Clay Travis has a radio show on Fox Sports. And on the West Coast, it's pretty early in the morning. It's like 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. But I usually listen to his podcast so that I can kind of listen commercial free. And man, he he has a term now called, I don't know if he came up with it or not. And maybe I just haven't heard it before. But it's called the Blue Checkmark Brigade. I thought that was hilarious. And what he means by that is on social media, Twitter, Instagram, if you're an alleged celebrity, a person of importance, I guess you you will get confirmed that it's actually you with your blue check mark, so that people can't impersonate you. I guess whatever. But it always seems that these people with blue check marks they speak out, and usually on subject matter they know nothing about. And quite frankly, I sit here I don't know much about everything that goes on, but I don't sit here to, to pretend to act like an expert either, or to tell rioters hey i'll pay i will pay pay your bail you guys are freedom fighters somebody says something 
the blue checkmark brigade doesn't agree with, guess what? They come out in force. Boom, attack. Everyone post. Everyone post. I denounce thee. I denounce thee. It's hilarious. The blue checkmark brigade. I definitely got to use that one. Clay Travis, well done, sir. Really like listening to your show. It is fantastic. We got some UFC this weekend. Really looking forward to that. I want... The combat sports seems to be the only uh, sports I'm really looking forward to, just fighting, which is ironic, right? It's very ironic. Jorge Masvidal had a quote, I guess, on Twitter. He said, hey, guys, you know, hey, no fighting, no violence. Leave that to the professionals. I thought that was clever. Denouncing what's going on, but also saying, hey, hey, that's, you know, we got that. <laughs> Anyway, he's not fighting this weekend, but the big car, uh, name on the card is Amanda Nunez. Probably the best, well, is the best female fighter in MMA for sure. She's always a blast to watch. It's going to be weird again at the Vegas Apex without fans. It'll be rather entertaining, though. I'll be sure to tune in. Definitely love some UFC. But guys, we're starting to open up our comments here, our opinions a little bit broader. And I just want to say... Uh, no ill will. I show no ill will to anybody. I really don't. I, I think that uh, there's a lot of, man, there's a lot of uh, tension right now. And a lot of it's with even close friends. I'm trying to keep my distance, but also get involved, you know, the right amount, I guess. I don't, I don't know what's right anymore. Apparently, you don't, if you don't do enough, then uh, people... Peggy is one way, and if you if you speak out too much, then, well, you, you're pegged another. So I got this podcast to kind of vent in the mornings, and that's what I am going to use it for. <laughs> I'll also talk some sports, some uh, current events, some news and everything, but uh, that's just that's just kind of the direction we're going. Going to have a lot of law enforcement on next week, as well as our weekly guest, Bill Barnes, who is law enforcement as well. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I think it's maybe a way that we can try to – have a conversation and move forward. Anyway, I don't want to take away from our guest today. Our guest is Joe Baldino. He is a former college football official. He also played college baseball. His dad umpired in the minor leagues and was friends with the late, great Eric Gregg, who's a, who was a major league baseball umpire. Uh, quite famous one at that. Joe got to meet Eric multiple times, and Eric was gracious enough to kind of uh, bring them along whenever they wanted to go to ball games and stuff. So Joe has an appreciation for the umpiring profession as well. He is a house appraiser. I should excuse me, real estate appraiser. I'll use the official term there. Uh, but just an all-around great guy. It was a lot of fun chatting with him. Again, we record about a week and a half in advance, I would say. We kind of stockpile episodes, and that gives us time to edit them if necessary, but also we're able to then put them in the order we kind of want. So all of our guests this week have been pre-recorded and will continue to be pre-recorded. That's just how we do things. It's a little easier with the uh, the connections and everything. So there won't be too much talking to Joe today about current events. I'm trying to uh, get more of that into the interviews as we move forward so that you know people can comment on it if they wish. But we'll definitely have some comments on the current issues at hand with our slate of guests next week. 
Really looking forward to having you listen to the conversation with Joe Baldino. And and like I mentioned before, he's a former football official. Him and I kind of saw eye to eye on what football officiating at that level was like and kind of walked away at the same time with with very similar uh, reasoning. So let him uh, explain it all to you. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll get right to that interview with Joe Baldino. All right. Today joining us is Joe Baldino. He is a high school football official. He used to work a little college football. His day job is a, as a real estate appraiser. He's got some baseball connections we'll discuss as well. But Joe, let me welcome you to the program. What's going on, Matt? Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. I, I've been listening to some of your podcasts and I appreciate the invite. Oh, of course. I've, I figured, uh, you know, you're a guy that had some great experiences on the field and you know, we've talked baseball a little bit, even uh, even though you yourself weren't an umpire, you 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 appreciate the craft and everything. So uh, we'll get right into the sports and everything. But, Joe, what can you tell me about uh, working as a real estate appraiser? Well, I got into it because my father was an appraiser. So it was kind of like, an uh, you know, after I got out of college, I was I was working at a restaurant and I was just trying to look for something else to do besides serving tables. And I was, uh, got my appraisal license and, you know, it's, it's a great, um, you know, field to where you're your own boss, you make your own schedule, um, you do your own time, you work when you want to. However, you always have work. There's always something to do. You bring your work home with you because your office is at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, half the day you're out driving around, you know, going inside houses and stuff. And then the other half of the day, you're, you're back in the office typing up the reports. Okay, so it's one of those jobs, as you mentioned, you know, making your own hours. That's got to be uh, beneficial to being able to get out there and officiate uh, football like you did for so long and still are doing, right? Oh, yeah, it's it's great because, you know, Fridays I could just schedule an early appointment and then just, you know, take the rest of the time off, make sure that I'm able to get my pregame nap in before I got to get to the, <laughs> to the site or whatever. And then, uh, you know, uh, basically have my, you know, pregame ritual. So I'm getting ready to work a doubleheader on a Friday night or something. Yeah. Gotta be well rested. <laughs> well, well, Joe, on top of all that, you know, the, the past couple months we've been in this very unique situation with COVID-19. A lot of people are out of work or working less hours or working from home. Has there been any changes as far as your job goes or has it kind of been business as usual? You know, it's funny. I haven't really been affected business wise up until just recently. Actually, March was my busiest month ever. I did over 60 appraisals. Um, and then April, I did uh, close to 50. So, but then now in May, it's finally sort of caught up. It's slowing down, but it's affected my uh, field is now every home I go into, I'm wearing a mask, I'm wearing gloves. When I get home, I basically take off my clothes, throw them in the washer, and then I get in the shower. And it's just basically made this a whole nother step, something more that I have to do. But, you know, if it means, you know, I'm still able to work all the time, um, I'll, I'll deal with it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are just doing that. They're just dealing with it as best they can. It's better to be, you know, working than not working. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for me, my, my main income is baseball and umpiring baseball. And, you know, I lost two and a half, three, almost three months of it when they canceled everything. And so that was, that was somewhat disappointing, but we're getting by, we're doing what we can. 
And so I'm happy to hear that, that things are going well for you. Now, let's talk some football. Uh, I know you are a football official. You are a baseball player. So we'll touch on both of those. But let's talk about your officiating experience. You, you've worked high school football for a long time. You, you rose through the ranks and got into college football. So let me know. Tell me about starting high school football to uh, as we get started in, in kind of your officiating journey. To that question again, someone called me, so I didn't hear all the question again. Oh, no yeah. worries. Yeah, um, tell me about, we'll talk about kind of your football officiating journey, and, and we'll, we'll try to start it towards the beginning. So what, tell me about uh, starting uh, high school football officiating, how it all went down, and what was kind of your, your the beginning of your story? Well, the beginning of it, it basically, once again, it kind of was, you know, a means to an end. Um, I was playing baseball at Glendale College. I was bagging groceries at, um, at a, you know, part-time at a, at a grocery store, but I wanted to make extra money. And my father was an official. He was a, he was a, he was a baseball and a football official. He was a, about, uh, for about 40 years in football. So he was doing it and he just basically said, you know, join. And, you know, I started, you know, when I was 19 and I joined it and, I, it basically it took off from there and that's why I was basically just to make kind of extra money I would play my you know the fall games on you know Tuesdays and Thursday nights or something and then I'd get out of practice I'd maybe work a game Friday and then I had pop Warner on Sunday I'd work that but that was basically how I got into it I, I, I didn't get into it for a because I loved officiating it was you know my dad did it and it was to make some little bit of just extra money on the side while I was playing ball yeah, I think it's a perfect job, whatever level you want to work when you're in college, because you can just you don't have to clock in for nine, 10 hours or whatever on these part time jobs. You can show up, work a ball game or two, make some money and then get back to your studies. But but you were playing college baseball at the time as well as officiating. So I got to ask you, did it did it change kind of the way you looked at umpires as you're playing the game while you're also officiating high school football? I mean, you grew up with a dad who was a, who was a, an umpire and official. So you probably had some background knowledge in that anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, my, it didn't, I remember, I've never really got the only time I can remember off the top of my head, I got kicked out of games was it happened twice in the same week for running into the catcher. And like in the same week in two different games. And I it literally, I couldn't believe it, but I was never really one to be confrontational. And as a pitcher, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're kind of shown that if you show emotion out there because you didn't get the corner, you might, you know, you want to maybe get that in later innings. So you just don't show any emotion and mm -hmm. just turn around and maybe just, you know, grip the ball a little bit harder or something. <laughs> That's what I was taught about and, you know, taught for, but yeah, my dad being an umpire, um, I definitely saw it and I saw um, things that maybe you should do as a referee and things that maybe you shouldn't do as a referee <laughs> because my dad comes from the old days of uh, officiating. And so that's, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> well, well, let's touch a little bit on that. Uh, you said your dad actually worked in minor league baseball. He was an umpire there and then worked college baseball after that. So what can you tell me about your dad's, minor league career has he ever talked to you much about it did he did we worked for two years i believe it was the in the pacific coast league and then down in florida and that's where he met one of his lifelong friends 
who is um, since passed away, uh, uh, Major League umpire Eric Gregg. Uh, so he, mm-hmm. they became really good friends, um, mostly because Eric was the youngest guy um, in in the group of officials, and all the other guys wanted to go out to drink. And at that time, it was twenty one. He was he wasn't twenty one, so my dad wasn't a big drinker, so he hung out with. Him. Um, it turned into a lifelong friendship to where Eric, when he'd come out to L.A., he stayed at my house every time. He did not stay in a hotel. He stayed with my dad. <laughs> we had um, drove him to the games every single day at Dodger Stadium. He picked it. We, we waited later for them to get out. And we went into the locker rooms many times at Dodger Stadium. And the best part about being a friend of, of an umpire and also being a junior is my uh, Eric Gregg gave my father a pass that said that was basically two tickets to any national league ballpark. And all it said on there was Joe Baldino and guest. So (laughs) me being, as soon as I was 16 and I could drive, I took that and I went around almost, I remember taking it to, you know, Dodger stadium, obviously. And, but I took it to San Diego, San Francisco. We went to Arizona with it. I went to Chicago with it. It's just, it was uh, it was a great thing. It was a great tool to have. Uh, I wish I still did. <laughs> oh, well, it sounds like you took advantage of it. That's awesome. Yeah, Joe Baldino Jr. Didn't say Joe Baldino Sr. on that the golden ticket. So that that's awesome. I, I know you're a big baseball guy. I could just see you using that thing. Uh, it's, it's good to see that it went to use. Did, so you just showed up at the stadium and held the, the card up, and they give you two tickets no matter what, huh? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it could be a sellout. You just go to the will call, and you just say – here you go. And they, there was like a set of tickets that they set aside all the time. And it was usually at Dodger stadium. It was loads like one fifty nine, like down mm-hmm. the left field line most of the time. <laughs> and ironically enough, the only place where they ever gave me problems was at Dodger stadium because that's where my dad would use it a few times too. So then all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, we kind of <laughs> see this isn't the same, but um, uh, you know, fortunately we never got caught and they never took it away. So <laughs> Well, Eric Gregg, rest in peace. Uh, that, that's a great story. And, and I love hearing those different friendships and connections that, you know, sports and specifically baseball can provide you. So, so what, uh, what did your dad do after the minor leagues? Did he continue umpiring at the college level or anything? Yeah, he got into, he was in the Pac-10. Back then, mm-hmm. I remember um, driving to games with him at UCLA. Um, he did also, I know that he did, um, whatever conference Pepperdine was in at the time too. Cause I remember driving with him okay. to Pepperdine uh, at the time and Northridge and stuff like that. Um, he was a very, for a very brief time also just recently, he was a uh, supervisor or a, an observer for the big West. Um, not too long ago when, when Dale Williams was running the big West uh, umpires, <laughs> he was an observer. He just did all the Northridge games. And that was the last bit of a uh, in officiating my dad has done. Wow, it's gotta it's gotta be cool to have that that influence from a father who has has done a lot of things at, at various levels and uh, umpiring specifically. So w- when did his kind of uh, when did he stop umpiring? Uh, was it did he work a lot of years in college? Did he work in high school? Where was kind of the the end of his road? He umpired um, mostly up until about 1991 and then he took a break because that's when I was went to high school and I was playing he wanted to go to all my games Mm -hmm. Um, and then after 
I got out of high school. I, I believe when I went into college, that's when he went back into, and he umpired for about three or four years. Um, but then it led him to a day where he's working a game um, and it's a varsity game and it's a, you know, two to one ball game. It's got two of the best pitchers in the San Fernando Valley and he's behind the plate and he just says to himself, I'm bored shitless. <laughs> and um, he finished the game and he called up the assigner that night and gave back all of his games. And he never stepped on the field to umpire a game ever since. <laughs> now, now refereeing, he refereed uh, football a lot longer up until about, I believe he stopped in 2015. He stopped oh, okay. refereeing football. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, well, I, I can relate to the baseball thing. Yeah, you, you reach a breaking point when uh, <laughs> some of the other levels you work, and uh, I'm sure you can relate as well. But, well, that's cool stuff to hear from your, about your dad. Uh, you know, it sounds like he had quite the career on the baseball diamond, the football field, uh, and it had to be just a great influence for you as far as pursuing officiating uh, like you did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was – even Eric, too. I mean, I – Eric was, was my hero growing up. I mean, he would, he showed me so many things. Um, you know, he, I met so many baseball players because of him. I, you know, I have a Tony Gwynn signed bat because of him. I had an Ozzie Smith glove because of him. And it was, it was funny because, um, you know, ironically enough, where I probably learned the most about officiating was probably through Eric himself, because if you remember, Eric Gregg is known for one game and one game only. And yeah. everybody will remember why. <laughs> and that shows you as an official how you can be remembered for one thing. And I knew Eric as the ultimate storyteller, the ultimate uh, friend. And he was my hero the, growing up because just the way that he just was a, bigger than life to me. And he, the way that he just was always just so happy to see me and like, you know, took me, took me around and everything. And then the game in, in um, Atlanta happens and, you know, the strike zone, well, I won't, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to deny it was huge. Yeah. However, the one person, you know, Atlanta lost that game, but I guarantee you, if you go to the starting pitcher of Atlanta that that day, Greg Maddox, I guarantee you, he didn't complain one bit either. So the, the, the zone was the same for everybody. Now, was it too big? Probably. But the fact that he is remembered for one thing, basically for one game, also being, I hate to say it, you know, overweight. Mm-hmm. And he was the third, I think the third uh, umpire that was African-American in the major leagues. So he was, he was, he was, and people knew him because of his weight, you mm-hmm. know, and for being African-American, he stood out already. And then that, that game, that unfortunate game happened, but it showed me how, you know, it, people can turn on you very, mm-hmm. simple, very easily. And, you know, he was forced out when the labor, labor strike happened back in the late nineties where, you know, all the umpires at one time gave in their resignation letters instead of going on strike. Yeah. But then a couple of them broke ranks <laughs> and then basically major league baseball had the power then. And they said, well, we'll accept your resignation. And that's how Eric was out. Yeah, he was he was one of the of a few guys that happened to and it was unfortunate. Did did you ever get a chance to talk to Eric after that infamous game in Atlanta? Man, I you know, I to say at that time I I maybe said a word or two 
Okay. But he was, that was 1997 or 98. That would put me around 21 years old. And I was, you know, my 20s, I was probably partying back then <laughs> and stuff. Um, but, you know, to me, the funny thing is, is I, I remember watching the game and I couldn't really remember, I couldn't really realize why everybody was making such a huge deal out of it because it's like, I, I really believe, you know, if both both pitchers were getting those calls and yeah. it just happened to go, you know, the way of the Braves losing, it's in Atlanta, you know, Levon, you know, get, you know, has a great <laughs> pitching, great game. So obviously all the heat's going to come on that, but you know, it was, it was tough, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny though, how it taught me how one little thing in officiating you can do will, it carries on for years and mm -hmm. people don't forget it. Yeah, definitely. And, and we talked about your, your start in football officiating and, and you played college baseball. I got to ask you, I got to ask you, was there ever a moment in time when uh, you, you considered working baseball or maybe did you work some baseball? How come uh, that never uh, came to fruition exactly? You, you just uh, weren't interested I, in, in that side or what? I always rationalized it for a few reasons. Like it was, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't want to go through like the, the, the middle grounds. I knew if I start, they're going to start me, you know, working a JV game and I'm going to have two pitchers that can't find the strike zone and I'm going to watch him and I'm going to be like, well, he can't find the strike zone because his elbows, you know, his arms flying out and his legs flying out and his mechanics are bad and this and that. So I kind of feel like, well, if I'm going to get into baseball, I'd like to get into the coaching side of it more than the officiating side. Okay. And I have done a little bit here and there just because, you know, um, I, I, knowing the game and stuff, I think you can go out there and work a game if you had to. And I did do, I think when I was like really, really little, like 13, 14 years old, I did some like, you know, slow pitch softball to make extra money as a, as a, <laughs> you know, as a kid, but it was nothing ever serious. It was, it, I, it was, you know, it was, it can get boring on a baseball field. And I just didn't, I didn't, I never really went for it. And I kind of like the fact, the way that like my year kind of works out to where I'm officiating in the fall up until the winter. And then I have a nice break and then I can go do it again. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, working multiple sports is very difficult. Your dad did it a long time and, and I don't even care. I don't care what level it is. Working multiple sports is difficult. There's a reason not many people do it, especially at, at higher levels, you know, as you start to climb, the responsibilities get a little more and, and things get harder. The competition to, uh, you know, pass, pass up different guy is, is a little harder because guys start to, you know, they're a lot better. And so, so yeah, focusing on one sport, I think is probably the best way to go, but I always found something from every sport I did and, and you know, being able to make decisions year round, I thought helped me as an official, and just kind of, you got that many more reps, a different sport, mind you, but the same amount of reps is game management, play calling, all those different things. So, so it can be beneficial, but I could definitely see the, the burnout scenario of, of working multiple sports. It's a lot of fun to just work your sport, be done with it, enjoy yourself and start looking forward to the next uh, season, if you will. Oh yeah. I can't, I can't imagine um, the one guy that comes to mind is Bill Vinovich. The yeah. fact that the fact that he, I worked, I remember one day watching a game on Sunday NFL and then I went to a UCLA basketball game the next day. And I'm like, wait a minute, he's 
doing this less than 24 hours later. Yeah. I'm like, you work, you worked an NFL game and then you have to flip mind and work basketball. Now I've never worked basketball, but I can imagine you just not something that to do. That's that easy to do. And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, and, and at a high level, it's D one too. Yeah. It's just amazing. It is. I've seen Bill work countless times and, and yeah, was fortunate to run some replay for him when he's worked big West games. And it's crazy. I, I had, yeah, he worked the Super Bowl a few years ago on Sunday. And then I was over at Cal state Fullerton for a, you know, a midweek game on a Wednesday or Thursday. And there's Bill Vinovich walking in the gym. I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. So the guys that can do it are few and far between. They are special people. I know Gene Steratore did it. Uh, Dale Williams worked in the NFL and college baseball. Like there's just so many, uh, there's, oh, I shouldn't say there's so many. There's just a very small group of guys that do it at the highest level. A lot of guys do it in high school and even a little bit of college, but man, the high level stuff, it, it, it wears on you. And, and, and Joe, you were fortunate to have a, a good or to, to continue to have a, a high school uh, football officiating career as you've had, but you eventually worked your way into college and, and worked at the college level. What was that transition like? Did it happen overnight or did you kind of know that you were going to gradually get into the college level of football officiating? It, it was something that I feel like I resisted for years. It oh. was something that like I was, I started when I was 19, but I didn't really I didn't join college until I was 29. Hmm. So there was 10 years where I worked high school and I, in my head, I just was, I just was pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. And I'd be hearing about it because, you know, at that time that was right when like the good old boy network was getting, getting away from everything. And it was really transferring to, we want younger guys. We want younger guys. We're going to seven officials in JC, all of this stuff. And it was a, it was a combination of things where I was like, okay, I mm -hmm. am the mold that they're looking for. I'm going to give this the shot to see if where it takes me. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like when I joined, I'm like, like the kids now they're literally, Oh, I want to do college immediately. Like they join the high school unit and immediately they join the college unit. And in my opinion, I think those people, you can do what you want and pay your money you want, but you are, you are hurting yourself in my opinion. So in my mind, I wanted to know the high school rules pretty damn well before mm -hmm. I went to the college rules. And then when I finally did it, I did something very, 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 I don't know if guys think about it or not, but in high school, I work a line judge. I'll put myself up against any high school official line judge official in the state, whatever I'll, you know, but when I went to college, I'm like, I don't want to work line judge. I don't want to work the line. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to work deep flank. Why? Because the defense can jump. <laughs> that yeah. was the yeah. main reason why I did not want to work line judges because the defense can jump in college. And I was like, I'm going to be that guy that's going to just all the time because in high school, they just, boom, you kill it. So I was like, no, deep flank. I don't want to have to worry about it. I'm going to work deep flank. That's it. And that's what I did. <laughs> that's, that's probably smart all, you know, when you, when you break it down, but there's nothing worse than enforcing a college rule on a Friday night high school game or enforcing a high school rule on a Saturday college game. And what people don't understand is that is a challenge. There is very different rules and, you know, working, 
in less than 24 hours, <laughs> a lot of times two different games, because most you don't just work college. Typically you work Friday night also, at least when you're starting out. So, yeah, I totally feel you, Joe. You had to constantly remind yourself what day it was Friday, 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 Saturday, 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 just to not mess up the rules. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I remember that the one game, um, the, the headlinesman like hurts his ankle. And Ryan Bressler hurts his ankle like first two plays, first two plays of the game at JC game or at one of the games we're at. And I move, they move me up in the line judge. And literally every play, I'm just like saying myself verbally, I'm going, the defense can jump, the defense can jump, the defense can jump. And then as soon as the snap happened, I dropped it and I was okay. But I was so freaked out that I was gonna, I was gonna bang that guy, bang an offside when they shouldn't have been that. I was like, I'm staying deep playing for the rest of the time. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, for me, Joe, it was all about, I was kind of a back judge in high school. And then when I got into college, I was working the deep, deep sides or, or, or you know, back judge also. But, but then, you know, different openings happened. Like there was a spot for a line judge. And I was the guy, I wanted to just, I liked working various positions and I was just ready to fill in wherever. Like it's fun work one spot all year round. But there's also something to be said, I think, where we're kind of moving around to different positions because you get a feel for what other guys go through. You, you get a better understanding of how the crew is supposed to gel together. So those are things I, I enjoyed doing, but at the same time, I'm with you. I, I have to like, wait, what are my responsibilities today? So there is something to be said about just working one position. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk college football, Joe. You, you, okay. you work, you worked it for a few years. Uh, you, you eventually worked your way into NCAA Division Three in the Skyac Conference, mm-hmm. uh, as and as we both know, that that became uh, there were definitely some changes at that level. Not so much the, the the play on the field, because if you can officiate community college football in Southern California, you can pretty much officiate anything. There's some good athletes, and it gets carried away at times. But Division Three, the the that conference specifically the leadership that took over, they were making it a lot more, a bigger commitment and and a commitment to almost what the division one guys do. So, so tell me about what, what you saw, I guess, as working college football, some of the responsibilities that, that started to take place versus just showing up and working a game. Well, I remember vividly that, you know, um, I don't think it was the first year that we were hired from Vern, but the second year, um, you could tell that it was different when you come into the first meeting and they put you on a scale yeah. and they're weighing you. That was the first thing. And then, you know, I remember the first year they said, you know, there was such a movement in the Pac-12 to go younger. And now all those guys that got hired in the Pac-12, they became the Skyac um, sort of position coaches and such. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to model off of off of the pack pack 12 and such. So going in there, you knew you had your position coach that you could talk to, um, which was totally different than JC. And then you obviously you had your crew chief and everybody was on a crew. Everybody was. Mm-hmm. So it's not like JC to where you were just maybe maybe there were some crews at the time, but not like it is now where I, I believe there's pretty much crews all over. And so um it was that you could tell right away that Vern was very, you know, trying to make it much more professional, much more of like a, a distinction between 
Division Three and a JC official. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I mean, it was a big change. And don't get me wrong, there's plenty that goes into working in community college. You know, you're showing up to games two hours early, uh, you're watching some, maybe some game film in the locker room before the game or, or talking about some plays. But when you got to that Division Three level with, with Vern Sparling in charge, he was really trying to take things to the next level. And it was cool with some of the, the training, being able to talk to a Pac-12 headlinesman, you know, and just run, run my plays by him and, and situations by him. So that was really, really cool. But it did reach a point where I think you and I looked at it very similarly, that it, there was a lot being asked off the field uh, in, in non-football months, you know, co- college football now is like a year round, um, year round thing as far as officiating goes. And, and I don't have any like resentment or anything towards it, but, but it was, there was a time where I just needed to walk away from it. It got to be a bit much for me. So what was kind of the experience for you? You know, what I enjoyed going into my last season um, you know, so many things change in your life around you when you mm-hmm. start officiating, you know, when you start when you're 19 or 20, you're single, you had nothing. You know, when I timed officiating, I, and when I got end of college, I had a child and I was married. Um, so, you know, a lot happened in between that time. And I just feel like towards the end, it was, you know, you're, you talk about, your games, you know, if you're in the Skyhawk, you're driving, you're at games three hours before every game most of the time. Mm-hmm. And then you're, uh, you do the game, which is shorter than a JC game for sure. And then after the game, it's usually another 35 to 45, more than a JC in, just in the locker room because you got to do all your fouls and everything. And then probably what I found was my most fun time was going out to eat after – um, you know, especially when if you did a game at Laverne or Claremont or Pomona, you're all around, you're probably with another crew and working the game. And then that that was my fun time. That's what I really enjoyed with. Um, but what really started to hit me is when I started to notice the money that I was forking out yeah. and not coming back in. And I'm not saying that we do this for the money, but we wouldn't do it for free. Correct. And when I realized that in order, it, I'll tell you this right now, if anybody is listening to this, if anybody's trying to be an official, I guarantee you nobody's going to disagree with me. If you want to move up to, a, to become a Division One college official, you have got to go to camps or academies or clinics outside. There's no more moving up without going to the camps. Yeah. Yeah. And each camp costs a certain amount of money. Now, the better camp it is, the more money you're spending, not including airfare, uh, hotel, food. You know, in, in the beginning, it was Reno, which was $1,500, but that included your food and, and your, your, your lodging. And then, 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 then it was going down to West Texas, which was a great little camp because that was a lot cheaper, but you had to pay for your flight and your food. And then the big one was going to the Stars and Stripes Academy. Um, so I was noticing, I started noticing the money that was going out to my out of my pocket. And I was realizing, you know, when I stopped that 
if for me to go to this academy, I would already have everything, every game that I'm going to work in the upcoming year goes to this academy. <laughs> um, you know, if you work 10 games and we're making $150 a game at the sky, which is grossly underpaid compared to the other division three conferences in the United States, which is amazing. Um, uh, and so, um, basically to me, I just feel like it was, it got, that got to the point where that was rubbing me the wrong way. And then, you know, feeling like there's, I don't know when you're at your position or whatever, moving up, there's, there's a, there's a line. You feel like you're in line. Maybe, you know, this is going to be my shot to where I'm going to really be looked at. And I kind of got the hint that maybe I was a little bit further down the line than I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, do I want to go through this again? Do I want to go through all of this again, playing the game of being on a scale in May and then them weighing you again in August and you better be less than you were in May, you know, because then you're not, you're not in shape. And, you know, um, it was all the little things combined with, you know, you know, the things growing up when you were coming up saying no facial hair, because for some reason facial hair affects the way that you, you uh, uh, can officiate a game. Um, that was when I was coming up. Another reason why I never did college is because people called me the salmon. I was always swimming upstream. I was always asking questions. Um, you know, we, we talk about how things, things follow you through officiating. First year I ever went to a camp. This was a high school camp in Fresno. I did a mechanic wrong. And basically the mechanic I did wrong, it was out of habit that I was doing for years they come to you, they say, no, don't do it this way. Do it this way. And you know how they always say, you say, okay. And you try and do it, but you know, <laughs> 10 plays goes on and you subconsciously do it. Well, after about two or three times, I get somebody screaming at me. And by this time I scream something back. <laughs> that was, You laugh. We both laugh because yeah. that's the worst thing I could have possibly done. <laughs> and I still to this day, I still get, you know, they, they still tell me, you know, where's this, you know, I, I, I forget the guy's name now, but the, you know, the, the where's this, uh, you know, where's this uh, uh, official at? He, he's still giving you shit, you know, like they still tell me about this all to this day. I'm still hearing about this that I did when I was like 23, 24, <laughs> you know? So it just was, it got to a point where when I found out that I was a little bit further down the line and after you know, that I wasn't probably going to be moving up in any, you know, time. And, you know, it just wasn't going to happen within the next year or so. I just, I, instead of just hang it up, like it just was not worth it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was very, I, I, what it realized, the realization it came to me was I love football. I love watching football. I like officiating. I really enjoy officiating, mm -hmm. but I don't love officiating football. I mm -hmm. like it. I enjoy it. And I think I'm good at it, but I don't, I don't have that passion to where I'm going to drive two hours to the dock right now to, to go over a set of 10 questions to where you'll probably only get through three because you start at talking with the kicking game and then you end at an inadvertent whistle in the fourth quarter and there's a, and there's a, a personal foul. What do you do? 
wait a minute, we were on the kickoff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, 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 to me, it was like, I'm going to drive two hours down to Bellflower. Just really, you're just doing it so other people can see you. So they can see, oh, yeah, they really want to do it. They, oh, they totally want to do it. And it's like, no, that, that's not make you a good or bad official because you don't want to you know, waste your time driving two hours you know, down to somewhere so you're crammed in a room to talk about football. I can call, I can call my, my white hat on my crew and we could talk about football if I really want to, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, I, I believe in officiating just like in life, there's book smart and street smart. Oh, and there's yeah. guys that are completely book smart, but when the shit hits the fan in the fourth quarter, they crumble. No doubt. Dude. I, I, I understand completely what you're saying. I've been around guys that, that know the rules back and forward, uh, know every comma, every period in that rule book. But you know what? This game isn't officiated in a rule book. And it's, it's, there's a time for toughness and for intensity and really managing you know, everything that's going on out there. And I think that's, that's like a lost art. You know, it, there is truth to be said. Yes, officials need to be athletic. Look athletic. They need to know the rules. Those are basic principles. But guys also got to be able to work. They got to work. Uh, you know what? For me, Joe, when, when in any level of the sports, but especially football, I hear a guy's name, I'm either going to groan or smile because I'm going to be like, ah, I don't really want to work with that guy. Or, yeah, I can't wait to work with that guy. We're going to we're going to get through this game and it's going to be just fine. I do remember you had a Facebook post that really was influential to me because it, it it didn't bash college football. It didn't bash officiating or those who did it. It was really, really well done. And I think you and your wife were, you know, you're, you just had family plans. You think you already had one kid at the time and you know what you were going in a new direction and there's more to life than, than football officiating, but the way you said things, it really spoke to me. And I don't remember if I walked away that same year or shortly after, but it really helped me find peace with my decision because like you, I, I really enjoyed football officiating and it was hard to walk away. Some people still don't understand why I did, but you know what? I, I needed a peace of mind as well. And I was, it was really helped me make that transition when I saw someone like you write down a lot of my same thoughts on that Facebook post you did when you uh, walked away from college football. Yeah. I, and I remember you, you actually reached out and you, and you kind of told me a little bit of the same <laughs> and, you know, it's, I feel like that, you know, you know, that there's guys that I work with in high school with, and they're still doing college. And I like, I don't tell them like, I know you're feeling the same way you need to get out. <laughs> but I, I say, I'm like, look, I go, I go, it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know, you didn't make, you, you didn't make it to D one. It's okay that, you know, that this didn't happen. You know, you, at some point you have to understand that, you know, you know, you just, you probably at some point you maybe weren't, weren't that what they were looking for, or you're going to sit and wait for your shot. And I look back and I don't necessarily 100% know, but it's been three or four years now that I have an officiating and I still know guys that were in the sky act three or four years ago that are still in the sky act. So yeah. I don't know if I would still be just in the sky act hoping for that call. 
and to where because it's like it I just didn't want to be you know you know 20 years and you're still just working that <laughs> Saturday sky at game you know it just doesn't it's just not especially for for what they um you know give what they gave us at the time it just was not it's not worth it it's just not you know hourly wages is so bad so <laughs> You know. Yeah, you, we're here to make money. I mean, we are. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's a fun way to make money. That's that's the way I always looked at it. I would never do it for free. Uh, I didn't like doing uh, free scrimmages and such and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of time off the field. And look, at I'm not I'm not bashing anyone who does it. I think it's been great for a lot of guys to get to the next level. There's been Pac-12 hires out of there, and different guys have have reached those levels that that they wanted to achieve. And hey, all the power to them. But, you know, I, I was fortunate that I'm able to fall back on something else. I have my, my college baseball stuff that I really just was determined to, to stay focused on and really give that all my, all my effort. You, you continued working football. You still work high school football. You, you worked a, a big game last year, uh, St. John Bosco and Modern Day in the CIF championship game. And for those who don't know, maybe listen around the country, those are, those are two – of the biggest high schools here in Southern California, but always ranked, it seems nationally in the top 10, sometimes in the case of the top five. So Joe, what was that like being able to work that game? And if there's many, any other games you, you'd like to, to mention that really stand out now that you've walked away from uh, college officiating, just focus on high school officiating. Well, you know, just, just to go back to another reason why I left is being going to those camps and going to being in the Skyac, um, my last year, I also like saw the people in those classrooms and in those camps. I saw the passion that they had. I saw the want and the desire to move up to that next level. And I said to myself, there's somebody in JC that's working deep flank right now that has that desire, that want to move up to D3, to move up to D1. So let's let him take my spot because I don't have that desire anymore. It's not in me anymore. Well, That's, That was one of the main things is like, I somebody else should take my spot. That's, that's well said. Very well said. Um, but back to the game. Yeah, you know, that game featured uh, Bryce Young out of Modern Day and DJ Ulagilegi out of St. John Bosco. And it was a game that I have been wanting to work um, my whole career for high school. It was the last game pretty much on my bucket list. I've worked state games multiple times. I've worked um, multiple championship games, but I never did the division one championship game. And to work that game was awesome. Uh, It was uh, the funniest story probably in that game was, the first or second play of the second half, there is a blindside block um, <laughs> against a modern day player. Mm-hmm. And I throw my penalty and throw my flag. Now, if those of you that have worked the game with me, they know that I have like pretty good aim throwing flag <laughs> far distances. Well, that I didn't really throw it the far distance, but I throw it in such a way where I have a good follow through whatever. Well, my down indicator somehow gets caught up in my whistle. So I'm running in to report the 
the foul that I have and talk about, in my mind, I wanted to talk about a, a, a disqualification, but I didn't really go. I didn't want to go that far. <laughs> but as, as you're walking, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, oh, my God, the camera's on me and my down indicator is hanging <laughs> from my whistle. So I'm trying to cover my mouth and cover it all up. While I'm trying to say this guy should, this guy was, was a blindside block. It was bad and such. And I'm like, what are the chances that my down indicator is going to get caught up in my whistle and I have to go run and the TV's on it. But yeah, that was, that was a good, that was a good uh, story of the game. And there was a, 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 another thing is we were uh, the, we were late getting to the game because it was, um, if you remember that weekend was uh Thanksgiving weekend and the white hat was out of town. So we got to the game and we had maybe a 20 minute pregame and you know how it is. You know, sometimes you work with a a couple guys and they're all good officials and you don't really, you you just do your job and you go out there and you work a game and we nailed it. I mean, you would have thought that we worked together a long time and uh, we all communicated well and um, I remember working with – I've worked with um, my headlinesman uh, before, Ron Madden, who was a JC official. Oh, and then, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then um, um, Michael Frayne was the White Hat. Yep. So, um, you know, so we just worked – it was a great game. St. John Bosco came back and won. And, you know, we – I you know, it's, it's one of those games where you're – you're kind of like you don't really realize how good it is at the time until you go back and you're like, wow, that was an amazing game. But then you also just feel good because you know, as a crew, you nailed it. Yeah. And that there was nothing that they're gonna say anything that we did anything to affect this the the outcome of that game, and we just facilitated it. And that was the best feeling of all. Yeah, it's it's a big responsibility to work that type of game, and yeah, there could be minor hiccups here and there, but but they're minor and they're almost unnoticeable, and that is a special feeling walking off the field knowing, yeah, we just handled that, and and so what if one guy didn't like a holding penalty or or you know whatever this happened or a spot overall the job was well done, and I remember watching from TV, and you know as officials we are very critical of each other. I, I turn on the TV and I watch guys working a high school game and I'm like, Oh, he did this wrong. He did that wrong. But I remember watching that game and I was very impressed with the crew. I, I was fortunate to know a lot of them, Michael, Ron and yourself. And I was like, man, this is great for those guys. They did a good job. And uh, what a thrill Joe for, for something you've been working for uh, your, your whole life. Yeah, it was. And, and to, you know, a lot of times those games don't live up to the hype. no, <laughs> and um, but that game did, and it was it was great because at one point we thought Modern Day was just going to w- w- run away with it, like they were beating everybody. But um, Bosco hung in there, and uh, you know, to to uh, the quarterback's credit, uh, he just he was a leader and led them down. And it should be interesting to see these two at the next level. Um, hopefully, they get to uh, match up in Alabama and Clemson. So. Yeah, <laughs> those two guys are following up in the footsteps of some pretty good college quarterbacks, uh, but both of them on the same field in a high school game is pretty crazy. Well, that's great stuff, Joe, and I think high school football versus college, it's there's uh, there's a lot more fun in high school and work in the high school game, and and I, I worked a year or two after getting away from college still at the high school level just because it was, it was fun, and then it was time for me to make a clean break from it all, uh, at least at least for now. 
but those are some great stories. I love talking football with with guys that uh, we'll. Just, I'll just say, get it, guys that get it. it it's a fun uh, topic, and, and I hope there's high school football this upcoming fall. Hope there's all kinds of football, really. But uh, you know, with this COVID thing, I really hope football is the kind of is the door that opens everything else for us. Uh, let, let me ask you a couple questions here about uh, you're, you're a big sports fan. You you're a Charger fan, a big Dodger fan, I know. But but you also operate a fantasy sports uh, website or contribute in, in one way or another. What can you tell me about that? Yeah. So another one of the reasons why I stopped doing college football and it was almost the nail in the coffin in so much. It wasn't the deciding it wasn't the deciding factor, but it was basically like the last straw. <laughs> was um, the day that I got a letter from the NCAA saying that um, anybody who plays fantasy football, DraftKings, FanDuel, everything, anybody who does that, um, you can't, basically you can't do that. Or, you know, you're, you'll get in trouble if you, it's considered gambling. So once I found that they're, they're t- trying to take away another thing of mine that I love, which is fantasy sports, that was like, oh God. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to not, I'm not going to not play fantasy football. Um, you know, because you think for some reason I'm going to get a referee in my back pocket and somehow that's going to make me money somehow. Like it's just <laughs> ludicrous. So yeah. I was just like, it was just another thing, the cherry on top, basically. I was like, <laughs> uh-uh. But yes, um, I love, after I stopped doing um, college, college uh, football, I knew that I need, I was going to need something else to kind of, you know, get into besides high school football. And I love doing um, fantasy um, football and fantasy baseball. And so I got into that and I started playing FanDuel. Um, Basically, I just, you know, with Twitter and stuff, you have a Twitter handle. You start saying, hey, I'm Patio Joe. And you started, I started talking with somebody else who's on Twitter who ran a company. He started doing these free YouTube um, podcast every night on baseball, basically previewing the next day's baseball slate. So I would basically say, oh, this is a good pitcher to throw in your lineups or these are the good hitters that you might want to have and such. So he had me on a couple and personality is a lot in this business. So I basically started giving advice on that and then rolled into football season and do that. I write article for um, every Sunday for uh, for the football season to kind of tell people on FanDuel who to play. And then I do write a, I do write articles from time to time for baseball um, uh, when it ever gets back. But yeah, I have done that, but yeah, it's, it's fantasy sports is fun and it's just another way to compete and still stay around the game. Well, that's cool. I mean, yeah, any way you can contribute and, and be around it, that's, that's pretty neat. And, and you mentioned all the, the areas really there that, that people can uh, reach out and read your stuff out. Right. Uh, make sure uh, that information's all out there for everyone. Uh, yeah, check him out, Joe Baldino, Mister uh, Fantasy Sports Expert. <laughs> yeah, and, and follow me on Twitter at Patio Joe Ref. And Patio then, Joe uh, Ref. The web, the web, the website that I work for is called WiseTake.com. W i s e t a dot com. Yeah. So okay. it's on my Twitter handle too. So, but yeah, Joe, I love sports and everything. So it's it's just way something to get by the day, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I've I've always been, uh, you know, 
I've never been into fantasy sports, Joe, and I don't, I don't knock guys that are into it. It's just never worked for me. So to each his own, you know, but I just, I I tried it one year, years ago and, and everyone talks to me and everyone tells me of all the people I thought would be into fantasy sports, it would be you, Matt. And I'm just like, nah, it's not for me. I I don't like it, but I know so much of, Fan bases now, it's such a big part of sports, no matter what it is, football especially, but also baseball just because it's every day. So I know it's a big, big thing out there these days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, the reason why I like fantasy, uh, fantasy football um, is that what it does for the common person who doesn't really know the game that much is, mm-hmm. you know, if you have the receiver for, you know, the Rams, if you have Robert Woods and they're playing, you know, somebody you you're gonna be cheering for you know woods all day so it's woods so it's woods because you want to win the game you know what i'm saying so it makes it makes any game any any football game kind of watchable even if it's terrible and if it's somebody who doesn't really know much about it um that's what i like about it and it's just it's basically i started playing fantasy baseball when i was like eight years old so i've been playing fantasy baseball for a long time and that's like that's like a marriage to play fantasy baseball commitment it's (laughs) it's too tough it's tough i i guarantee it's not easy it just uh you know six months out of the year you're doing this almost every day you're making sure your lineup is set and stuff it's not easy (laughs) well i'm a huge rams fan joe and i know you mentioned you're a chargers fan are what do you what are your thoughts on this upcoming season let's just say that everything gets uh squared away and the chargers and rams are playing in the new sofi stadium what do you think about that I mean, uh, what do I think about how they are, how they're, you know, what they'll be this year or just, uh, just in general opening, opening really the best stadium in the world, I guess you could say it's it's gotta be exciting for uh, Los Angeles, but especially Rams and Charger fans. Yeah, it is. I mean, for Rams fans, it's, there's a, there's a built-in fan base for Charger fans though. I'll tell you what, it's almost like we feel like we're like, you know, the step-headed child, you know, And they were kind of just renting space. And when there's a home game, there's going to be way more opposing fans. But I don't know. I've gone to Rams games. I've gone to every L.A. team's um, uh, games. And it doesn't matter what team it is. There are opposing fans from other other teams, no matter where. Because L.A. is such a breeding ground. It doesn't matter where you have. You're going to have a ton of whatever a Packer fans when they play the Rams, yep. just like you'd have a ton of Packer fans that play the chargers, you know? So it's just, it's, it's unfortunate. I don't, I didn't, I didn't necessarily believe that LA needed a team just because it went so long without having a team. There's so many people in LA that already have their allegiances. Yeah. And so why should I cheer for the Rams or chargers now just because they moved to LA unless, you know, I was already a Rams or a charger fan. Yeah, you were a LA guy for the most part and pulling for a team in San Diego. So it's it's interesting to hear that you are even though they came closer to you, it didn't really affect you as much. I mean, you you have to feel for the people in San Diego, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it, I I think they should have stayed down there. I I always thought they should have explored the Oceanside area. Mm-hmm. It was a half an hour closer from San Diego to LA, so you still could have had, you know, more of LA fans bringing down there but still kept in San Diego County and kept the San Diego Charger name and such. But I just, I didn't, I wasn't for 
um, the move in general, just because it was, it just, I don't feel like the city of LA really wants them here. And even if they want a Super Bowl, I don't necessarily think that they would, you know, really, you know, embrace them. I, I hope that they're doing it. They're probably doing it for 20, 30 years down the road, but it's just them not winning. And, you know, the fact that you can also argue as much as I hate to say it, there's a huge Raiders contingency here. Yeah. So <laughs> they're just, it's just, it seems like the chargers are like the third most popular team in LA where there's only two teams. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I'm just glad the Raiders didn't come back here, but that's just me being a Rams fan. And, and yeah, yeah I, I would rather that SoFi stadium just be a, a Rams stadium, but you know what? The Chargers are here. It is what it is. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to have a good team down the road. And uh, you know what? Hey, more, more teams in L.A., that, that's, that's just fine one way or another. Well, I want to ask you one final uh, topic, Joe. Uh, have you been watching The Last Dance, that documentary on ESPN? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched that. I soaked that all up. It was really, <laughs> really amazing. Um, I'm not much of a basketball fan anymore. Um, I feel like, you know, the older you get, the more you trim your sports tree. You're just not – you just can't follow everything like you did when you were younger. Yeah. But my biggest problem with basketball is that there's no rivalries. And no. you go back to the 80s and 90s when you had the Lakers and the Celtics and Lakers and the Pistons and the Pistons and the Celtics and the Pistons and the Bulls and the Bulls and the – you know, you have all these – rivalries where man you hated those teams <laughs> and you just don't have that anymore in sports and then you know so you i watched you know if you watched all those other 30 for 30s they did on one on the lakers celtics yeah. they did one on the bad boys so i watched those two over before the last dance started and what stood out to me is i love like the, the other stories not just you know the stories that you sort of heard about it was the ones that you forgot about, you know, Pippen <laughs> saying, I, I, I quit, you know, basically the one game and yeah. Kuko hits the sod anyways. You know, there's stories about that that I remember and just seeing the greatness <laughs> and seeing just the competitive drive that that man had is something that nobody can duplicate. And the only one that has tried, in my opinion, has been Kobe Bryant yeah. when it comes to basketball. I've never thought I've never I've never understood why um, people always try and compare LeBron and Jordan together when they're two completely different players. LeBron was way more like Magic Johnson and Kobe is way more like Jordan. So if you want to compare <laughs> to me, that's the comparison that you make. LeBron is in his own little is on his own category with Magic Johnson. You know, so I just feel like watching The Last Dance, appreciating what he did and how it didn't matter if he could find any little nugget to, you know, motivate him. It, that was what he was going to do any little thing, you know, and, you know, as, as an official, <laughs> uh, I know for me, there'd be some years where I, all it would take was would be one other official making a reference to, you know, my weight or something. I'd be like, okay, I'll see you in six months. Yeah. I feel, you know what I mean? And so it's just it's just one little thing like you just set off that competitive edge that he had and it's just yeah. amazing and the stories about the pizza and this and that and it's just it's it's, it's amazing. No, it, it was incredible. I, I enjoyed it so much. And it, it wrapped up here th this last weekend. And I just yeah, like you said, the backstories. I watched all those other ESPN documentaries as well. Uh, yeah, I, I do think basketball needs to 
some better rivalries. And yeah, it, it, to me, it, it's a little more boring at times than, than like baseball is. And, and I know probably nobody else agrees with that, but um, yeah, we love our sports. We miss our sports. We hope they come back soon. We hope a lot of things get back to normal soon, but Joe, I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun catching up with you. We haven't chatted in a while and we covered a lot of ground. I've always found that the guests I haven't talked to in a while go the, the longest episodes uh, and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been so much fun just to, to talk about football officiating and kind of our similar uh, outlook on things, if you will. Well, Joe, thanks so much for being here. It was such a blast. I really appreciate you taking the time to record with me today and just give my best to the family, man. Hope all is well. I hope to talk to you very soon. Thank you for having me on, Matt, too. It was a pleasure. Another big thank you to Joe Baldino. Really appreciate you coming on the program. Thanks so much for listening, too, as you've done in recent weeks. Looking forward to talking with you again soon. Good luck with everything you're doing. Give my best to the family and stay safe out there, my friend. Well, guys, that'll wrap up another episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We are finished with another week of episodes. We're going to take Saturday and Sunday off like we usually do, at least from putting out episodes on our platforms. But if something comes up, if there is a uh, something significant, I hate to say it, over the weekend – uh, or something where I or maybe someone else wants to jump on and comment. We may do that. We did something similar to that last Sunday night. Uh, we just wanted to get on and have a conversation and vent a little bit as well. So that may always happen. But for now, the plan is to just have episodes going forward Monday through Friday as we have been doing. You'll usually get an episode out at some time uh, early morning on Monday through Friday. Every single day, take Saturday, Sunday off. That kind of gives us time also to prepare for our, our episodes. And just, you know, there's no work week really, but it's just a little little recharge of the batteries, if you will. Again, if something changes, we'll let you know through our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter under Get Home Safe Pod. Our Instagram and Facebook page is the same. Get Home Safe Facebook, excuse me, Get Home Safe podcast if you will and our email address is get home safe podcast at yahoo.com you'll find all our information there if you need to reach out to us you can do do so through all of those uh, uh, platforms you can also listen to the podcast on various platforms as you know we run our podcast through the anchor app but you can pretty much listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts spotify apple many other places that anchor distributes our podcast out to so however you listen we really appreciate it give us a like if you can if you're on the anchor app go ahead and add us to your favorites that really helps with promoting our show and we really appreciate those who forward on our episodes or uh, anything anything you uh, find interesting or topics you want discussed you can email us uh, send us in. We'll, we'll definitely put some word out. I'll have some comments. If you have questions for me, comments for me, I will address those if you do so. If you're on the Anchor app, you can also send in a voice recorded message. If you scroll to the left, I believe it is, whether it's on the computer or the app, I said, like I said, on the phone, you can leave a quick little voice recording. And if you do so, and it's uh, acceptable for the air, if you will, I will put it on the show and answer your questions or your comments from there. So thanks again for everyone for listening. That'll wrap up another week. Looking forward to more episodes next week. I can promise you there's at least two other law enforcement officers on the slate of guests on top of 
our weekly guest Wednesday, Bill Barnes. So it'll probably be a week pretty full of uh, law enforcement. There'll also be a couple other guests, but I think it's a good time to have those guys on and talk about what's going on, get their their thoughts and. You know, a lot of them are, are uh, a lot of the guys are, are current guys or guys that just retired. So they are uh, kind of have a good grasp on what is going on out there. So we're looking forward to that next week. But for now, guys, whatever you're doing, especially in this time we're in, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe. <laughs>